Uh, we're the only country left in the world that does tipping. Most countries have gotten off that system where everyone gets a decent affordable wage and uh, any extra tips are spread around. Um, you gotta get to know your chefs, you gotta get to know your restaurants. Um, I mean, we know when we go to fast food that we're not getting any of that stuff, right? Yeah. We accept that stuff. But when you start paying a higher price point, ask the chef to go see the kitchen. Tell them, where's, where's the gnocchi at? Can you show me your backup gnocchi? A good question also to ask is, how many cooks do you have back there today? Unfortunately, the way a lot of restaurant tours work in America is that we rather, rather we rather ask for forgiveness yeah. than permission. You are listening to Fort Worth Food Stories, brought to you by the Culinary School of Fort Worth. All right, welcome back to another episode of Fort Worth Food Stories. I'm joined again today by chefs Edward Gutierrez and Maddie Sharp and Baby Warren over there. Baby Warren Sharp is is making his first podcast appearance, so you might hear him him today. Uh, but we are in the third part of our summer series here. can't believe we've already done three weeks of this now. It's pretty exciting, but we're talking about ethics today. And we're talking about consumer ethics, and next week we'll be talking about restaurant ethics and, and worker ethics. Um, we're starting with consumer ethics today, and, and Edward, I'll go to you first. Uh, what are we talking about today? This is, this is really your deal more than mine. Yeah, I, I just kind of want to bring up like three topics. Uh, one's going to be you know tipping. That's going to be a touch you want to talk about. Um, what the consumers read on the menu as opposed to what they're getting. Um, and then the philosophy, not the philosophy, but why uh, restaurants open. Yeah. I just want to talk about those three things. Um, I guess the first thing we can kind of talk about is tipping. Because um, as a customer, um, we're the only country in America, uh, we're the only country left in the world that does tipping. Most countries have gotten off that system where everyone gets a decent affordable wage and uh, any extra tips are spread around. Uh, one example, when I was in Japan, is a fun story is me and my friends, we went to this ramen shop and we waited a long time to get our food because we didn't know we had to get a machine ticket for it. Yeah. And so we go get the ticket, right? And we, we put the ticket on the, the counter and the guy makes our food and we eat it and it was amazing. We were starving. So it was really, really, it was like the best food I've ever had in my life. And so I, I put a bunch of yen down, a bunch of coins on the counter and so did my friends. They all, we all put money on the counter because it was so good. And then the guy, the guy said no, and he took his hand, and he just washed it off the table and threw it <laughs> off the floor. And we're just like, what? Why aren't you taking our money? You know, so yeah. we picked up all the money, we put it back on there, and he chunks it off again. And we're like, fine, we're just going to leave it here then. And we walked off. You know, later on, we, we realized that we don't know what the customs, and the custom is that tipping is not okay. Yeah. Because they've already included in the price that it's kind of like a, a bad thing to tip over there. Yeah. And over here, it's a completely different mindset, right? Totally. If, if the server would have did that, it would have been completely different. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So maybe th- this is going to sound like really basic. Like everyone knows, you know, wait- uh, waitresses, waiters make a little bit less money, whatever. But maybe, Maddie, you could talk about the specifics of what people tend to make in a restaurant um, compar- comparatively, cooks and, and servers. Well, some servers will start, honestly, at like 2 or $3 an hour. Basically. Really? So they're basic all-off tips. And, at, and honestly, I think that's one of the only industries that you start at below minimum wage, and it's legal. Um, because they try to count your tips into it. And then, and then you have to, it's harder on the servers because it's like, what happens if you get cash tips? What happens if you get yeah. card tips? Uh, what does the house get um, if you do a uh, card tip? Um, you know, so it's it's so ridiculous to me that our servers are making $2 an hour, but sometimes they'll walk out, and sorry servers, but they'll walk out with like four, $500 a night when you have your cooks in the back that are busting their butt 
and working so, so hard, and they walk away with a 30, like maybe a hundred, two hundred dollar night. Yeah. That they've been there all day from open to close, sweating, bad conditions. True, they don't have to deal with the front of the, like they don't have to deal with the public. So I think you should get tipped for that because some people are horrible. <laughs> if you are a horrible diner, shame on you. Great. <laughs> you know? Yeah, definitely. Shame on you for making these people feel bad. But I mean, um, as far as like the difference in wages, and we talked about when you like kind of grow up and you are a prep cook, saute cook, line cook, all those things, you get a little bit more in the kitchen. But as a server, whether you're sometimes a busboy will bring home more than than cooks at night, which I'm not taking anything away from busboys or servers because that is a hard job. But, you know, tipping tipping uh, makes or breaks a good restaurant, yeah. for sure, and so, good servers. So how do you remedy that? I mean, is it just paying everyone the same amount of money and then there's no tips, or is it tip pooling, or, or what's the remedy there? Well, I, I think it should be based off work effort and how much work you put into um, the job. <clears throat> For, for uh, example, the executive chef, right, should be getting paid more than the basic prep cook. You know? yeah. The prep cook may be working more hours technically in the kitchen than the executive chef, but there's still a different skill set there. Uh, I think the same should apply to servers as well. You know, if it's your first time doing it and you're not very good at it, well, then you probably shouldn't get paid a lot for it. But then we need, we need career servers who've been doing it for 10 to 11 years. Those guys should be getting paid just as much as the executive chef's getting paid because they're just as important as he is too. And, and so with that in mind, where does the etiquette then for the customer come in um, in terms of just the morality of, of tipping and, so and all that? So a lot of times when the, on the customer's point of view, they sit down and they get the food and a lot of times they're going to blame the servers for bad food. Yeah. You know, and so they won't tip anymore. Well, you know, it wasn't that server's fault. And the, also the kitchen's not getting any of that tip money. So you're not hurting them mm-hmm. by not tipping the server. So the, the customer needs to kind of understand those kind of things. Yeah. So to me, if you're going to be tipping the server... Uh, you need to be tipping them based off their performance, completely 100% based off their performance. Not about the food, not about the restrooms, you know, not about any of that stuff, because a lot of stuff's out of their control. Until we can change the mentality of America of being a server as a college job or an entry-level job, yeah. then uh, we won't really be able to make much changes with that. Because your servers, your life servers, your people come back for servers. Yeah. Even if the food is off that night and they had killer service, you need to take care of your servers. And so I understand like the whole tipping thing. And that it's such a fine line to walk. Like as a cook, yeah, I'm jaded. But if I were a server, and I always said this, I'm like, man, I'm on the wrong side of the line. When I see them over there counting their cash tips and I'm scraping the line for a sandwich, you know, like I'm like, I'm on the wrong side of the line. But I wouldn't change it for anything. I have a lot more fun on my side and I don't have to deal with people, you know? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Even as a people person. I but you need to take care of your servers, especially your your long-term servers, because people will come back for them and request them as a as a server. So I'm I'm curious from my end, like I, I've had some really, really bad service before. I mean, service where they didn't come to my table for twenty minutes or they didn't bring my food out for an hour, whatever. But there's still a line that like I can't just not tip, right? I mean you, it, it seems like there's a kind of a gray area. I mean, what do I tip, like well, 15%? Here's where, here's where I come in, and people may not like me for this, but the way I tip is I usually start off around 50% of whatever my tab is going to be, okay. usually. Big baller there. Right. over there. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't go out to eat very often unless <laughs> I have money for a tip, you know? Yeah. I'm not going to go out there. Uh, but I usually start around 50%. 
and the performance base will start going lower or higher from there. Yeah. I have tipped over 100%, 200% Yeah, but what, what about a really bad server? I mean, right. are you so it starts going down. Out? There is a possibility of getting to zero, but you really have to put some effort into getting to zero with yeah. me. So 50%, right? Um, let's say you're not refilling my drinks. You're not very prompt, just yeah, yeah, whatever, and you kind of go back and forth. You're still probably going to get about 20 15% with me, even though you've lost a lot of major points yeah. on there. Um, but so unless you're being rude to me or disrespectful in some way, then you're going to get a somewhat of a tip. Yeah. But uh, I've had servers that didn't know what the menu was, didn't know what the food was, rang in the food wrong, brought it out, told me I was wrong. It's like, I'm still going to eat it, but I know I wanted that one thing on here. Yeah. And so those kind of servers, you're going to be getting a zero on, on my on my tip side. And then what's that etiquette as a customer for how you handle a server like that? Uh, not Not just tipping, but... How how do you talk to a server who is just treating you like personally? Garbage? I just never go back to the place. Yeah, yeah. I just I'll never go back so to the restaurant. Make or break you. And, so and you just kind of let it go for that one time, but you just never go back. Yeah, mentally, I'm just like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But yeah. I, I agree with you. I'm a big tipper too because I've seen and been around the the moms, the the dads that are working two jobs to make ends meet. I know the service industry. I know that bartenders, servers. Even if you are in a kitchen that makes tips, like they're trying so hard to earn that tip to yeah. get your business. And if you're getting two dollars an hour, I want it I want it to be worth it for you, you know? Um, and so I think it's funny, just kind of sorry, mom and dad, if you're listening, um, they're from a very small town. You know, they work very hard for their money and I think they tip twenty percent if it is incredible. Yeah. Normally it's just like a few dollars here or there, but they've never worked in the industry. My mom was a school teacher, my dad was a laborer, and they, you know, maybe now, a little bit later in life, after telling them like, hey, they're making $2 an hour, they're making a buck fifty, like, don't be afraid to loosen up the, you know, <laughs> yeah. since they're not supporting, you know, children anymore. Yeah. Um, you so know, yeah, for all the, all the consumers out there, whenever you go to a restaurant, the servers are making two fifteen an hour. Yeah. Some may get four or five dollars an hour. It's very rare. Um, and then busboys are getting paid minimum wage seven fifty or seven twenty five. Um, and they what they to get is they get will get ten percent of what the servers get or fifteen percent of yes. what Sometimes. the servers tipped out. Right. And those numbers always change and fluctuate. Um, and also the way some things work in certain restaurants is they'll tip pool. Um, and so whoever's working that shift, all the tips go together and then divided amongst however many servers were there. And, and, and then the busboys get tipped out from that also. Sometimes you put your order with a waitress or waiter and it comes out with another waiter or waitress because they're working together as a team. Yeah. I sometimes really love that, especially if it's a cohesive team. Yeah. And sometimes you know when they don't like each other and they don't want to help each other out yeah. because yeah. it it can be a disaster. And then um, sometimes hostesses you'll see may have a small, very small percentage on that, but that's very un uncommon to see. Uh, another hidden one for consumers is that the bar and servers are usually separated. So if you're sitting at a booth and you get a drink, that tip money doesn't actually go to the bartender who made that drink. Okay. It goes to the server who's going to that table. So then another tip chair kind of thing starts to get involved. So is there, would it be a, a good move to walk up to the bar and leave like, you know, X amount of money no, but if, if you, if you go table. to the bar, close out the bar, yeah. and then go to the table. Okay. Otherwise, the bartender did all that work, and then that money transfer is going over to them, and that the server's going to get all the money, sales, and tip from that transaction. Th that's actually interesting. I, this is kind of different than what we're talking about, but when you go to a bar, what what is a good tip at a bar? I mean, you're not tipping 100% at 
every drink you get, right? Right, so. yeah. Well, <laughs> well, it depends on how many drinks you have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> true. It slowly, uh, gradually it depends on the discounts us. they give me, I guess. Yeah. That's how much I'm going to tip. No, I, I don't know. Um, I really don't go to bars that much, so I probably spend about 10 bucks. Well, I usually tip 50% anyways because this is 15 yeah. But uh, I don't really go drink that much anymore. Okay. But when, right. when I when I did go out a lot more, um, I would tip whatever I had left, you know? Yes. Yeah. How much money is left in my pocket? There you go. There's yeah, I think that's a good... Yeah, especially if the bartender's being attentive to you. Not too attentive, like, you ready for another beer? Ready for another one? Ready yeah. for another one? But sometimes I've gone to places before where they just know and... and if I've gone there, I hate to admit this, if I've gone there often enough, they already have my iced tea and something sitting yeah. right there. You know, yeah. like they know that I've got it going on. This was before your time, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's the same way I've had bartenders where I walk in and my drink order is ready. Uh, yeah. You know, shots, tequila, naked, and chilled, and uh, just a regular beer. I walk in, they give me that beer, and they're like, hey, three bucks. I'm like, here's 20. Just, That's I'm, huge I'm gonna, to me. I'm just going to go sit outside. Thank you so much for not yeah. wasting my time today. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Baristas that's... as well, too. Like, if you're a good barista in the morning, we don't have time to talk. Like, you got it and ready to go. I typically, for one coffee, I tip $1. Because okay. it's anywhere from 4 to 6 bucks, $1. If I'm buying five coffees, there's a $5... How much is it? Five, 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 huh? Baby Warren wants to jump on and uh, talk about tipping. Yeah. <laughs> the coffee part. That's what yeah, yeah, about. he loves coffee. Um, uh, so what was what was your number two thing? Uh, uh, the number two thing is what's on the menu. Um, that gets really interesting for on the consumer side because the consumers will see on the menu a lot house made from scratch, fresh, special, all kinds of words used to kind of mimic these things. But as a chef. I've been to places where they put house-made gnocchi on the menu, yeah, and it comes in frozen, but they make the sauce from scratch in-house. Okay. So where's the ethical line on that? Yeah. You know, for the consumer, um, you have to be very wary of those kind of things. You have to, they have to really focus on wording in a menu because there's really tricky uh, names of companies called local produce. And we use local produce for all of our produce shipped out of Michigan. Right. You know? Exactly. Or we're using grandma's pasta or Sally's Sarah Lee. Yeah. Sarah Lee's recipe. You know, yeah. it's a frozen pie. Honestly. And so does that happen pie. more than not? Like, yes. Yeah. Because this, I feel like I'm the consumer now that you guys are, are talking to. So, yeah. you know, th this happens at a lot of restaurants. So, restaurants. so often. You know, they take their own special buffalo wing sauce based out of Frank's and add, you know, yeah, you know some powder honey and butter and yeah, stuff to it. Yeah, a little salt to it. And that's, yeah. and and that's the there. biggest one, the biggest culprit is the salsa. Every time you see salsa out there, house-made, I promise you they're opening up cans, chunky and salsa, combining it, cooking it. They're going to add a little bit of cumin and whatever yeah. to it. Some fresh powder, cilantro. Yeah. Then, then all, all of a sudden now it's theirs. Yeah. You know? To me, you shouldn't be able to put house-made, anything like that. It should say house-made from can. Yeah. That's what yeah. the menu should say. Also. So that that sounds like an ethics issue maybe for the employer, which is something we'll, we'll jump into next week. But yeah. how does it affect the consumer and, and what do you do as a consumer? Um, you got to get to know your chefs. You got to get to know your restaurants. Um, I mean, we, we know when we go to fast food that we're not getting any of that stuff, right? Yeah. We accept that stuff. But when you start paying a higher price point, ask the chef to go see the kitchen. Tell them, where's, where's the gnocchi at? Can you show me your backup gnocchi? Because the backup gnocchi shouldn't be in a plastic container, cryovac, right? In the freezer. <laughs> you're, you're making me anxious just thinking about doing yeah. that. I would never do that. You should. As a consumer, <laughs> I believe as a consumer, it's your right to ask, can I see the kitchen? Can yeah. I see where the sauce is or, coming or, from? 
or walk in there on accident. Just be like, yeah. oh, this isn't the bathroom. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and, like open if drawers that and stuff. Is too afraid to have you see the kitchen or used to open the door for you. There's some serious errors going on back there. Yeah. A lot I mean, of bad I, things are happening. Also, as a chef, I'd be kind of pissed if someone just kind of willy-nilly walked into my my uh, you right. Know, so we get asked first. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can't. I've had people do that before at different places, and it was just. Uh, they had had a couple, and, and just kind of like that. They're like, oh, uh, walking around. They're like, oh, what's going on? And I'm like, okay, what are you really looking for? Yeah. But luckily it was at a really pretty prestigious club, and we always had really, really clean products, really cr- clean kitchen, and I was never ashamed or had to hide anything. We, we would do chef's tables in our banquet kitchen and set it up, and it yeah, see, I like the chef table. That's yeah. where you really know. So, That's why yeah. the chef table was so coveted because you get to see them preparing it. So there's no hiding or masking anything. Yeah, uh, yeah. Cause I know I worked at restaurants, even with the salsa thing, and got triggered for a moment. I worked at this one place, <laughs> and we would fill up about twenty or 30, 30 gallon trash cans full of chips for yeah. service for the weekend. And they would stack it against the wall in these giant trash cans. And on the menu, it says, made fresh daily. Uh, and it's not made fresh daily. <laughs> we'll yes. talk later over yeah. where that was happening. Oh, so, that's, that's crazy. So I think it's important that the consumer knows these things because it's an ethical line for them, I believe. You know, And, and, the, and the owner, too. We're talking yeah. about that next time. But you got to get to know your people. Know the owner. Um, why did they, and we talked about the other thing about why did the restaurant open, you know? So... Why do they open? Are they there to make money? Or are they there to help improve the economy of the local uh, town? Yeah. People that are going to stack trash cans full of chips and open up cans and then call it from scratch are obviously there to take money away from the, in the area yeah. instead of put it back into it. Yeah. I guess I guess part of my, my thing here, my little hesitation on this, is just I don't think that the majority of consumers are going to ask to see the back of the kitchen. And so I don't know. I just have a hesitancy to say that this is on the consumer if they're eating food like this. I think knowing the language that goes into um, the menu, like really looking for those key things like organics, chicken. Okay, well, that's a brand that doesn't okay, maybe so, they're maybe right. those chickens are getting fed organic feed, you know, right. or but maybe they're, you know, and I don't know if that's a brand or not. I just threw that out there as an example. Uh, <laughs> please don't come after me. Um, but things like that, like doing a little research as to, you know, just kind of Googling funny names and just kind of maybe knowing. And things made from scratch and scratch made. So what's might the be difference? Yeah. Well, I think it just depends on the menu too. But okay. made things, things made from scratch is making it from scratch. Scratch made might be a little different and add yeah, scratch made somewhere else yeah okay see what i mean so it was made from scratch in a factory and then yeah frozen. so can employ can um... and i don't know if that is the greatest the greatest example because some people might say scratch made and it really is you know right, yeah. so it's really tricky and it's hard i think you also have to know the caliber of restaurant you're going to i've worked in 100 percent scratch made kitchens you know where we made our uh, you know, one, two, three doughs. We made every single thing, all of our pie fillings, gnocchi, um, you know, all of that. And I've also worked at restaurants in the lower caliber where we got meatloaf glaze in, where we just churched it up a little bit, add some Worcestershire and, mm-hmm. you know, a little brown sugar. And that was our signature sauce. And I think it's, it, it really is, you have to know the caliber of restaurant you're walking into. Yeah, definitely. And then my follow-up on that, sorry, and, and then I'll let you go, uh, Edward. 
But why does it why does it matter? I mean, if the food tastes great, then who cares? I mean, I guess so. At, at, truly, at the end of the day, as long as you're eating the food and it, it tastes good, then you know, keep enjoying it. Yeah, you know, that, it doesn't really matter. But and and there's no shame in a frozen food game. Yeah. you know, there's no shame in that. If you are happy with the product, and you get these raviolis that are made frozen, and you are doing it right, and people love it. Right, and you, keep you, on you like keeping paying on, thirty sister. bucks for those frozen raviolis, yeah. then keep on paying. So, so the big problem really is if they're lying to you on the menu, right, right. right. Then yeah. if they're intentionally trying to trick you, instead of just being upfront and honest, that's yeah. And like I said, there's a lot of people out there doing that. Yeah. And you said earlier, you know, it shouldn't be on the consumers. I agree one hundred percent. It should never have been on the consumers. But unfortunately, the way a lot of restaurant t- tours work in America is that we rather rather we rather ask for forgiveness than yeah. permission. So they're going to go ahead and trick you on the menu instead of asking, hey, we're going to change it and put frozen peas on here. They're going to keep putting fresh peas because they used to be fresh, but then they change it over and everyone's so used to that quality. Gotcha. So again, it shouldn't be on the consumers, but the only way to combat that would be with the consumers. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. That's interesting. So we've hit hit tipping. We've hit menus. Uh, What was was your number three? Um, Just why they open... Uh, why they open the restaurants? Yeah. Um, just kind of why it's gonna. It also t- ties with the other one, because um, the restaurants mm-hmm. that open up and just flip the sign, flip the paint, are gonna be the ones that are lying on the menu. Yeah, which is what we talked about last and, week. And I've right? personally seen it so many times. So I've opened up a lot of places. I've opened up places that have done multi-million dollar layouts versus a hundred thousand dollar repaint job yeah. in the front parking lot. You know, and you can see the difference in there. Majority of the time, those flip quick sign restaurants are gonna be completely frozen, convenience product as much as they can, and they're gonna sell it to you as high as they can because they want that money in return, that capital. Yeah, low labor, yeah. focusing on low they labor. They probably have a terrible bank uh, uh, loan going too. A good question also to ask is, how many cooks do you have back there today? Because mm-hmm. then you can kind of gauge, possibly, um, of how many tables are in there, and if you've got, like, you know, if you're at a fondue place and there's only two cooks back there, because you're cooking your own food there, just saying, <laughs> trying to throw in, okay. you know, you're cooking your own food, you're doing all the work, they have two prep cooks back there. Yeah. How many cooks are would realistically take to serve 500 people tonight? Mm-hmm. Three, 200 people. You know, how many cooks do you have on staff normally? And that way you can kind of gauge, all right. And what's the answer to that? How many do you think? Well, okay, so when I worked at a restaurant... It shouldn't that, be one. It shouldn't <laughs> be one. It should be more than three, I would say. Yeah, okay. uh, over three. A, a pretty average line is anywhere from five to seven. Okay. Uh, for, a, for a cranking night, you know, depending on how many stations you have. Sometimes we would double up on stations when we know that, you know, at you know Grace and stuff, when at Sides, when, when we knew it was a busy weekend night, bass halls in town, we're going to do a 500 cover night. Rolling through oh, it. yeah. Restaurant week, yeah. you know, it was all hands on deck, and we'd have a nine, ten person line, and uh, and it was always like doubles too. And then we'd have all of our prep cooks there earlier and later, making those pastas from scratch, making yeah. those gnocchis and getting them prepared. You know, there was a big deal having people come in and break down fish, so we had it ready to go. Yeah, it's it's a huge difference, but also Grace is a higher caliber restaurant where. If you go to a Chili's or a, you know a Red Robin, they might have five people back there, but it's quick burn and turn food, mm-hmm. and those fries are coming out of a bag, yeah. you know. Which right. hey, yeah, definitely. I love them. Okay, <laughs> I love them. I'll eat. I'll eat it all day long, but um, you know, there it's it's really kind of knowing your caliber of restaurant and kind of gauging how many people are in here right now. Um, 
Yeah, because like what Grace did, you know, they went into a building, multi-million dollar layout, you know. So they're obviously going to be investing into the community. Yeah. Um, they had, like you said, 10, 12, 14 dishwashers, you know, almost like 30, 40 people in that place that they're giving jobs to and helping and promoting. So they have the staff, they have the people to do everything they need. Versus if you go down, I don't know, I don't want to attack anybody, but if you go a few blocks around from there, you can find yeah. another restaurant that has two line cooks with 100 people out there, you know, with a huge ticket time. And the cooks, they're, they're, they're so bombarded that they're going to yeah. take shortcuts. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. going to be unsanitary because they're just trying to survive, you know, mm-hmm. so they don't get fired to get a check, so they can keep their paycheck. Yeah. So what's the consumer responsibility? Is it to go... It, within you know an affordable food budget is it to go to grace like once a week as opposed to a couple of those other places if you can afford it go every day right uh, yeah whatever yeah. you can afford or, grace I is mean, a once a year thing for me or or yeah i i mean my point being though like is it the consumer responsibility to maybe eat out less but eat at better places or oh, what, no, what, no, what's no, the no. responsibility no, no. If, if you if you really love chilies that's great go ahead yeah. and keep going to chilies but remember chilies doesn't put nothing back to your community though yeah you know, chili is a yeah. chain that's going to keep taking money from your community and put it into another state, someone else's pockets. So you saying it's great to go to Chili sounds a little bit maybe backhanded. If you like it, you like it. I mean, as yeah. a chef, I mean, as a chef, whatever you like, I'm glad. I want you to be happy with your life. I don't want to be, be judging you as you go to Chili's. Like, oh, look at them. They're destroying the economy and their food's crap and this and that. I had you a know, gift card. Yeah, well, exactly. You had a gift card. Or maybe like my grandmother, she loves Chili. So I have to eat there about once a month with her. Yeah. So. So I'm not going to judge people like that, but if you want your area to get better food and you don't want chilies anymore, you have to stop eating there. Yeah. You have also, to stop going. not to interrupt, but a really big thing is go to your, go to the empty bowls and see which restaurants are donating their time, energy, money right, definitely. for a good cause. They, yeah. These people are, are going back into the community and putting their name out there, donating food, you know, to a really... Um, super important cause, you know. Who's do- what chefs are going and donating their time and teaching these classes at the right. community, you know, like Chef G does. You know, um, <laughs> shameless plug. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, but seriously, who who out there is doing it and cares about where they live? Who cares about Fort Worth? We need to back those chefs and be behind right. them. Right. And um, you know, I. I yeah, 100% on that. A lot of times you get too excited because the chain comes in, you know, a new chain or a new thing comes in, like like the Raising Cane's thing. Everyone's just going crazy over yeah. that, you know, and like the Chick-fil-A. People, I'm glad people love it, but in and you're out. not helping no chefs in Fort Worth. Well, now I feel I feel a little badly because all I want to see in Fort Worth is a Shake Shack, so um, <laughs> I feel a little bit shamed right now, but... Um, you're, well, the co- you're the reason. <laughs> I'm the reason, yeah. What, so what, what's the overall takeaway here? What What is it that you want to leave people with today in, in terms of um, the ethics and the morality of, of a consumer? And, um, you know, as as we are, the three of us, all consumers here in Fort Worth. So for me, what I would like for the consumers to walk away with to know is that when you tip, tip according to their performance. You don't, you don't have to tip a lot of money all the time. If they're a terrible server, they're a terrible server. Yeah. Um, however, if they're a great server, you should be tipping. And if you can't afford to tip at that kind of level, then you shouldn't really be going out. Uh, maybe you need to lower your, your status of food, and there's not a shame in anything like that. And also that the customers need to be aware they're not being lied to and tricked. Um, it's, it's, very, it's super common out there. I don't want to call any names out. There's a lot of people out there that are doing that. And I just don't want them to be tricked anymore. I want you to get yeah. get your money that you're supposed to be paying for. Yeah. Yeah. Open open kitchens are 
huge to me. I think it is so cool to see an open kitchen because you can't hide anything. And if you, I mean, you can hide very bare minimum, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, also on the tipping thing, don't drink $200 with a booze if you can't tip on $200 with mm-hmm. a booze. So many people Definitely. like walk out on their checks or leave bare minimum, especially if you're drinking $200 worth of stuff. That's that's a lot of drinks. That's a lot of effort. You know, that's that's, that's like that's five bottles of, of liquor at the corner store. You could have went and bought yourself yeah. and drank yeah. at home. You know, yeah, and had a whole drinking at home with your friends. Party. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know? Order some pizza, call it a day. Yeah. <laughs> I think you just have to really be, um, you know, conscient not conscientious, cognizant cognizant of other people's, you know, profession. Just because they're in the service industry doesn't make them any less of a person than you. Doesn't make them any. Let, you know the struggle is just as real for them as it might have been for you or your family. It's so important to take care of each other and tip accordingly. If you're a, if you're a horrible human being and you're not feeling it that day, don't expect to bring home a lot of money that night. And I right. uh, and I preach that. You know, <laughs> put yeah. out in the universe what you want to get back. If you want to make money, money, you got to work for it. You know, you got to work hard for it. It's not just going to be handed to you. And I think Warren probably blocked my voice on half that, so <laughs> I was talking behind a baby if that got muffled. But I, the point, nonetheless, I still, I still, uh, I believe highly in that. All right. Well, I think that's that's perfect. Did did either of you have any final thoughts before we we wrap it up here? Um, I don't want to leave you if if you had no, anything else to educate why? yourself as a consumer. I think it's very important, if, especially if you're an avid person who goes out to eat and likes going out to eat. Yeah. Educate yourself on what you're actually eating. Okay. Just Talk to your it. servers about what, how, what's, how do they make this back there? I love it. And just kind of test them. Like, yeah. Well, it comes from a French fry bag, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's deep fat fried, you know, You might uh, make yourself look like an idiot. Like, you love that. <laughs> well, I mean, I like Taco Bell, like how's, I said how's before. The sauce so. in? How's the sauce come in? In a plastic pouch, we warm it up and put it in the cup. <laughs> Dang. <Yeah. laughs> um, yeah, Warren, did you have any, any final thoughts, sir? Nothing? Oh, now All you right. don't want to talk Now we got nothing. Okay. Um, and anyone, if anyone is listening to this and complains about baby noises, you know, screw you. <laughs> Get out. He's a cute little kid. So. We'll um, post a picture of him. He's sweet. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll thank everyone for listening, and we'll say that um, we'll be back next week with part four, and it will be uh, restaurant ethics and, and restaurant tours and, and, and their own moral code. So uh, we'll be looking at that, and if you haven't listened to our other two episodes, um, with what is a chef and I, I always want to say what is a restaurant but yeah. <laughs> um, what to look for at a restaurant um, go back and listen to those they're really good um, give us a little subscribe on iTunes uh, even leave us a rating if, if you feel up to it uh, that would be awesome but thank you once again for listening and we'll be back next week that episode was brought to you by the Culinary School of Fort Worth located on Camp Bowie Boulevard the Culinary School of Fort Worth is helping future chefs pursue their dreams every single day You can reach out for more information or to schedule a tour on their website at csftw.edu, or you can reach them by phone at 817-737-8427. That's 817-737-8427. Also, you can check them out on social media to see what's going on daily at the school at Culinary School of Fort Worth on Facebook and Culinary School FTW on Instagram.